This is the Find Your Forte podcast, episode 56. You have the passion. You have the education. Now it's time for the inspiration. Get ready to step up to the podium with purpose. This is the Find Your Forte podcast with choral director and lifestyle entrepreneur, Ryan Guth. Hey there, Choir Nation. This is Ryan Guth with the Find Your Forte podcast, and I'm delighted to have back with me today Dana Campbell. She was featured in episode 36, which was Five Ways to Prevent Burnout, and she is a burnout coach and uh, also a friend of mine and happens to be sitting here in my apartment uh, working with me on this podcast episode that is uh, a timely one uh, about um, quickly diagnosing uh, burnout in your life and also some things that you can do this summer uh, to make sure that you're starting fresh in August or September whenever you get back to teaching again. So um, Dana, welcome. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for being here again. (laughs) Yeah. So um, real quick, uh, just to recap, and I I do want to make sure that Choir Nation knows to go back to ryanguth.com forward slash 036 to check out that burnout episode because uh, as we get really in-depth. But can you give us uh, a summary, Reader's Digest version of, of what a, a burnout diagnosis looks like? Yeah. So I think, uh, especially as you're kind of coming to the end of a, a school year, we have these predefined periods where uh, it's kind of time to take stock. So if you have been getting comments from family or friends that, hmm, you're not smiling anymore, or perhaps they're kind of telling you something's off, what's wrong? Um, Other symptoms that might indicate that you have burnt out. Aren't people supposed to ask you what's wrong like all the time? (laughs) I feel like that's like a thing, right? Um, You know, I don't really think so. I think it's when it it comes down to... um, hey, you seem a little bit off. Or one of my clients, her kids told her, mommy, you just don't smile anymore. Oh, God. Yeah. There's a a bigger problem. Well, she happens to be a school teacher. So there you go. And it happens to be June. So Exactly. So um, other signs that we just tend to really ignore are um, physical pain, like persistent physical pain, backaches, headaches, maybe migraines that are starting to increase in more frequency, Um, unusual mental or emotional symptoms, like if you have an increased level of anxiety, that's pretty persistent. So it's not just one day, but it's starting to become kind of a trend or um, depression or increased amount of crying or anger. Um, things like that might start indicating that something is off. If um, it's really hard to get out of bed, you're having a hard time getting out of bed every single day, not just one day and not because you're hungover, but Mm -hmm. every single day. Um, Or maybe you're suffering from a lost sense of motivation. Like you just normally have so much in you, but right now just don't seem to be able to do much. And finally, the two kind of other symptoms that are maybe less more seen, um, I mean, less more noticed are um, a decreased sense of self-worth. So if you kind of start feeling like a lot of the time, what's wrong with me? Why am I not able to do this? Why don't I just have it in me? Or you've become increasingly cynical. Mm. Those might all be good indicators that you, my friend, are dealing with burnout. Cynical. That's, That's big. That's big in the choir world, too. Uh, we tend we tend to be that way a lot. 
And I'm wondering if we're just all burnt out uh, in general. Now, Choir Nation, the Choir Nation Facebook group, tends to be a very civilized group of people, very positive group of people. But there are a couple other Facebook groups out there in the choral world that are some pretty nasty, cynical places to ha- for choir directors to hang out. And where do you think cynicism comes from? Is it not being, not feeling, um, um, is not having that sense of self-worth and they project it on other people? Or I think that there is a piece of decreased self-worth, but honestly, I think it's actually more tied to hope. Explain. As in, what is, how much hope do you have that a situation that's difficult will turn around? Now, isn't, now shouldn't you just take control and say, and, you know, I, I, one of the quotes I always go back to is people only complain about things that they can change. So, so you know, if you're going to be, if you're going to complain about, about something, why don't you just change, this, change the situation that you're in? Well, that is true, right? Like you've told me about your previous job mm-hmm. where it was certainly a situation worthy of complaining mm-hmm. and you changed it and you quit. Um, sometimes it's not always that clean and clear cut, mm-hmm. right? A lot of times, actually, the the quote that I hear often is, what's up to you is to change your reaction to mm-hmm. the situation. Okay. So certainly you could start with working on changing your reaction to a situation that might be highly uh, otherwise driving you to cynicism. Um, more likely, it's good to get to the root cause of why it's making you more cynical. Mm-hmm. So if you are not inherently a cynical person, but you're around a lot of cynics or in a situation that seems to inspire that sort of behavior, um, it would be probably better served to question why is this making you more cynical? So does that mean re-examining the people we surround ourselves with? Yeah. Hmm. The scenarios we allow ourselves to be in. Right. So how does that play into reaction? So your reaction would be to step back and say, why am I, why am I with these people or? So, um, as we talked about last time, mm-hmm. everything often tends to be more around coming back to what are my motivators? What truly drives me in life mm-hmm. and what's most important to me? And then to look at the people and the situation and the scenarios around you and ask if they support that or not. And if they're not supporting it, then can you change it? You know, is it is it a small? Well, define support then. So I am not inherently a cynical person. I actually, um, according to Gallup, Strength Finder Positivity is my number one strength. Uh, In my last job, I was a cynical biatch. Really? Okay. (laughs) Oh yeah. Um, And I would look at myself on a daily basis and say, "Wait." This piece of paper says positivity is my number one strength. I don't have a positive ounce in my body Mm -hmm. right now. Um, And what I mean is that for me, that scenario was such a mismatch according to who I was and what drove me that the, the people I was surrounded by didn't have a similar mindset. They didn't value similar things. They didn't have a similar work ethic. Um, Therefore, the situation I was in, the work situation I was in, didn't support my optimistic view of the future. Because being surrounded by those types of people in an environment that wasn't driven the way I wanted it to be, um, 
didn't go after a version of the future I wanted to be in. Okay. So how, how do you, what, what do you say to somebody in the public school world, which is inherently a super cynical place, um, that loves what they do, but is in an environment, uh, that is less than perfect. Uh, let's say if they're a positive person they don't feel that they don't feel positive, but they love what they do, yeah. but they're not in a good place to do it. And moving from an, one district to another district might not actually fix that problem. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned perspective, right? So certainly a part of it is perspective of keeping eye on the ball of if you really love what you do, then that somehow has to become a mantra of yours. Not I love what I do, but I wake up every day and I'm doing this because of X. And if you start finding that even though you love what you do, the cost is becoming too great, mm-hmm. then you have to figure out a way to start offloading those costs. Mm-hmm. So right. the to- if the toll it's taking on you is outweighing how much you love what you're doing, right? then that toll needs to be Well, I think most, most teachers like take the good with the bad. Yeah. I think teachers are saints. Yeah. Yeah. Because the bad is really bad. It's really bad. So I think when it, when it comes to a scenario like a teacher, where the teachers that I know are freaking passionate about what they do mm-hmm. and love what they're doing, and it does come at a great cost, is that the most important thing for them to do is to figure out how they can support themselves to still show up and do what they love doing every day, meaning... How can they ask for administration support to do their best work mm-hmm. so that they can stay engaged? That's often takes a lot of negotiation skills. Like to literally go to an administrator? I mean, depending on what it is, right? But oftentimes what you're just talking about, about mm-hmm. the bad, mm-hmm. is normally parents and administration. Yeah, Yes, I agree. Lay it on me. If I'm, if I'm. No, I, I do, I do agree. I do agree. So, um. Well, it's also red tape. Yeah. I think if in the choir world, um, some of the things that we, we face are like stuff that comes all the way down to like pro the pro programming of music for your concert. Like a parent is offended by you singing Leonard Cohen's hallelujah because they think it's has Christian undertones and you're like, shut your freaking face, like stop, you know? And of course, you know, and it's, and it's, you know, you're hired to be the expert in the room. Yeah. And, but your administration and the parents don't treat you like you're the expert in the room. Like I was paid to do a job. Let me do my job. Am am I going to turn your kids Am I going to convert your kids from Judaism into Christianity because we sang Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah? Probably not. <laughs> you so know? there's so. there's a couple of things that I actually think you said that are brilliant. So a lot of us walk. I mean, around, most of what I say is brilliant. So thank yeah, you. It is true. <laughs> um, what what the first thing you said that I wanted to follow up on is this idea of being an expert. So a lot of us, and especially in this population, right? You guys are experts. Choir directors are experts. They know the music. They want to be able to, you know, really do creative, exciting things. And it requires people trusting in you for Mm -hmm. you to take them there. Huge. Um, 
I also think at the same time that we might have taken this idea of being an expert and blown it a little bit out of proportion. Okay. Being an expert doesn't mean that you're never met with resistance. Being an expert doesn't mean that everybody just rolls over and says, yes, please. That's very, that's a very, that's a very good point. So there is a sense of honesty that you kind of have to have about, yes, you're an expert, but that doesn't mean you don't have to jump over hurdles. Mm-hmm. Right? If we look at people in history who we've defined as experts, it wasn't a clean, easy path for them to get there. True. Along with that is that teachers, choir directors, inherently are going to have a certain level of noise in their job. Mm-hmm. And that is a choice. How much you choose to listen to the noise. So I would say that this comes a lot to expectations. And what I've seen from working with some of your kinfolk and working mm-hmm. with a lot of teachers is that, you know, we go into a new year and there's always sort of this renewed sense of optimism of like, this year is really going to be the year. And this, this is going to be, be it. the year yep. I'm going to get to do my We thing. have two new years in, in, as educators. We have September and January. There you go. Exactly. Um, and, you know, in the example you gave of putting a program together... I would say that maybe it's better served that, you know, this is the new year. I finally get to do this program I've always wanted to do. And I'm going to set the expectation of being okay with 70% of how it goes. Right. Because I know that there's 30% of it I can't control. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about burnout, um, control is one of the kind of like underlying things that often drives us to burnout. Mm -hmm. And we know that even as humans, as we try to be perfectionists and try to control things, it's us trying to grapple with life that is actually inherently uncontrollable. The more we kind of accept that there is little that we can control, the easier time we have. So does this, this kind of segue into your three tips for, for coming out uh, fresh? <laughs> I mean, because, I mean, is one of those things... I don't know, lower your expectations a little bit. And I mean, I hate to say it that way, but I mean, expect that 70% of, 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 of uh, or maybe say expect that 30% of what you plan is not going to go to plan and be excited when 70% does and be excited when 75% does, be more excited when 75% or 80% actually goes according to your expectations. I mean, is that... That was not one of my no, but it sound no, but I mean it's it, it's uh, not a bad. It's like I'm not trying to be a jerk about it. like so it sounds like it it I it's think, a good piece of advice. I think um, I'm actually as a perfectionist myself, which I talked about last time, totally uncomfortable with the idea of telling people to lower their expectations because that's just not how I live my life. However, mm-hmm. um, I often now am in uh, the place where I do a lot of reflection, where I understand when I'm dissatisfied with something, that it quickly traces back to my expectations about how a scenario is going to go, right? Like I just went on vacation with my husband. It was our first vacation in 18 months. And there was a level of dissatisfaction that it wasn't as romantic as I was hoping it would be. Right. Of course, that was all about my expectations. We had a great trip. We had a great time. But I was dissatisfied in Iceland over, (laughs) you know, it not being super romantic. 
meets my expectations. So then, right, then you had painted a whole picture of go. what this is going to be. I get the chance to change my expectations, to adjust my mm-hmm. expectations. So I don't think it's that you should be inherently satisfied with, you know, or I don't think it's that you should go after lower expectations, mm-hmm. but I think you need to have an awareness of what your expectations are. And that they might not all pan out according to your plan. Well, I think that then you get to run them against a filter of, okay, historically, when I've been trying to put a program on, what level of noise do I hear from parents? Mm-hmm. What, what level of resistance do I face from administration? Know that I'm going to face that again. Right. So there's a little bit of a reality check in there. Yeah. Yeah, very good. I know that wasn't one of your three, but... (laughs) So what is the first one of your three? uh, So the first one, I think, kind of does speak about this idea of checking in. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's interesting. One of my friends is finishing up her school year, and she was describing her six weeks of summer to me (laughs) Um, and how they are scheduled. Six weeks? That's all she gets? Yeah, that's all she gets is six weeks. Holy moly. They have to go back two weeks earlier than what the school is, and she's in a charter school situation. Oh, well, that's even more tough. um, Yeah. So she was describing it to me, planned out to the day. And I had to look her at summer. her. Uh-huh. And I had to look at her and say, you know, Rachel, where's the time for you? How are you going to recover from this year mm-hmm. before you go full swarm into next year? Mm-hmm. So the first tip is actually to um, plan time to reconnect to yourself. So when I left my corporate job, I had a girlfriend leave a couple. She left um, her job a couple months after I did, and I went and saw her her very first day out of work. And I was like, so what are you going to do? She said, you know, I think I'm going to finally read all those books that have been on my list. And I sat there, and I almost started crying because when I left my job, that thought hadn't even occurred to me. I left my job immediately, signed up for my coach's training program, and started my own business. Uh, and here is this girl that said, you know what? I just came through a really hard situation. I'm going to take time and feed me and reconnect to me. Wow. So I think that everybody coming out of a long, arduous, hard, challenging, soul-crushing school year should be planning at least a week, if not two, if not a month, to connect to themselves Start the process of listening to themselves. I know you talked recently about meditation and mm-hmm. starting a morning routine. Get that started. Right. So, so what are some ways? What are some ways that you find that uh, we can connect to ourselves? Reading, meditating. Um, what are the other ways that you feel? So, I think especially probably relevant to people in your world is journaling practices. I think it's great. I talk about that in my morning routine. Is about, I use the five-minute journal. I love it. It's super simple. It's, um, and actually, there's a couple of things that they've done is that um, I just saw a study recently on how actually handwriting yes. is incredibly meditative and stimulates similar properties in the brain as meditation. Um, it also kind of forces some of the stuff that's been underlying under the surface mm-hmm. to come out finally, mm-hmm. um, because when it's stuck in there, it's depleting your level of energy. Mm-hmm. So you want to get everything out. Yeah. Um, so I think journaling is fantastic. I think, um, you know, they've, um, proven that things like Tai Chi yoga, um, some of the other like softer martial arts are mm-hmm. also great kind of connection forces. Um, so you could take a practice with that. I have a client who her morning prayer time is a walk in the woods. 
So I think you get to choose. The number one question I would ask is what really nourishes you and spend some time doing that. So that walk in the woods would be, unfortunately, not listening to the Find Your Forte podcast at the same time. That's okay. Mm -hmm. And I will give you permission, Choir Nation, (laughs) to not listen. So literally, silence is what we're talking about. So taking time to be silent. Yeah. I need that. I need that just as much as anybody in Choir Nation, for sure. So what is number two? Number two is to start stimulating your creative juices. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we're doing that all the time. Um, but, okay, but here's so- the thing. You're normally doing it in order to produce something. That's true. You're normally doing it in order to inspire it in others or to put something on. I want you to scrap doing it for the sake of doing something, Mm -hmm. for the sake of producing or for getting to an outcome, Mm -hmm. and do something for no reason at all. So, like, let me, like, I'm gonna paint a picture that no one's ever gonna see necessarily. If that's if that's something that is calling out to you, then hell yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, for me, like, I have a secret obsession with calligraphy. So I practice calligraphy, not often enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I have clients who... Did you, would you do wedding invitations for people who will never show up? <laughs> I did my own wedding invitations. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> um, that's why I learned how to do it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I have clients who, you know, creating new recipes is a creative art form mm-hmm. for them. Or... Um, drawing certainly or coming up with something creativity we we often tend to box it into like music like the arts right something like that it doesn't really need to be that it needs to be something that you feel like is stretching you to think and feel in new ways so like take an improv class or something totally right totally totally do something outside your comfort zone that gets you thinking or if you have a friend who you find as a creative person maybe you should ask them to teach you something there you go you know i mean i take um i teach yoga as a part of what i do mm-hmm. i go to like kickboxing classes and boot camp classes and i always look for this one element from those things that i that could stimulate some new idea for me in a mm-hmm. yoga class mm-hmm. you know what i mean and obviously that's kind of doing the opposite of what i just said as far as do it without an Mm -hmm. outcome. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, like where in the world can you look that give you new ideas, Mm -hmm. that open your mind up, that open your heart up? Right. Yeah, because, you know, choir directors don't get all their ideas by sitting in on choir concerts. Right. So, yeah, very, very important. Very important. So so summarize what you get. Number two is get your creative juices flowing over the summer. Yeah. Okay, what's number three? Number three is to uh, eliminate all the shit that burnt you out last year. That's going to be a lot. (laughs) It's going to be a lot of shit, Dana. First of all, you sort of have to know what those things actually were. Um, So technically, through the listening, you probably got some of that out. Mm -hmm. Um, Through uh, realizing new ways that you wanted to open your mind and heart, you probably realized a few others that might have been dampening your thought process Mm -hmm. or your ability to be open-hearted. But you really need to get clear about specifically what was it that Mm -hmm. was burning you out. Mm -hmm. 
and start coming up with the parameters to keep that stuff out. Well, and sometimes, I mean, uh, it's, it's stuff that you can't necessarily get rid of, but maybe you could approach it in a different way. You could maybe systematize a process that's been driving you nuts in your, in your, in your career. Um, I know, for example, um, when I was teaching, we would do this major trip every year with, with, you know, a hundred of our kids. Mm-hmm. We were planning it all year. And if you didn't systematize it right, it would be like a second job. Yeah. And so we started implementing like literally like Google forms and spreadsheets and blah, blah, blah. And it like brought down the level of work that we were doing. And it was no longer aggravating anymore. It was still kind of aggravating, but it wasn't nearly aggravating as, right. it, as it was. But it was an essential part of our job. We couldn't get rid of it. So um, we just made it simpler. So, so it's a, you have good you have a, you have weeks to to figure out how to make your job more simple. Yeah, you have ways to figure out how to make your job more simple and less aggravating. Mm-hmm. So my husband has stopped checking his emails on Sundays. He used to check them on Sunday morning. His oh, work okay. email. Oh, okay. Um, and then that would put him into a complete state of aggravation and worry and fear sure. and all of that. And it would ruin his whole Sunday, which meant that he was getting one day to his weekend. Not enough time to recover. Right. Right. So maybe it's that you know that parents love to email you after service on Sunday mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Start coming up with the boundaries of when and how you're going to communicate back with them. Right. When they can expect to hear from you. Kind of. Well, yeah. I mean, nothing says you need, to, you need to respond on a weekend. Right. That's true. I mean, to get specific... I told my kids, I do not check my email when I'm not in school. You know, and I mean, some people go, well, what if somebody needs to get a hold of you? No, well, if they really need to get a hold of you, they'll find a way to get a hold of you. Right. Nobody's going to be on fire, you know, so. Right. So assessing your policy, your own personal policies. Exactly. Exactly. That might even be a better way to say it. Assess your own personal policies. I Mm -hmm. like that. Um, I think that's exactly what it is. And how can you set up policies that support you to thrive in the new year instead of allow people to cross your boundaries and deplete you? Well, remember that your email inbox is everyone else's to-do list. There you go. It's not yours. Hmm. It's theirs. So if you wake up on a Sunday morning, check your email you are looking for somebody else to, to guide your day. Mm-hmm. And, and you're not allowing yourself to guide your own day. You're looking for somebody else to give you a job. And you have plenty to do in your own life. And you don't need to, to add that to the mix. So. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, like you said, there's some things that obviously, given situations, what they are in schools or in churches or wherever else people are working, um, that they might not get to dictate, but there are pieces that they do get to dictate. Mm-hmm. Just because you work for someone doesn't mean they control you. Absolutely, absolutely, I agree. I agree. Well, we know we are we're we're people pleasers in the choir world. We don't, you know, we're always looking for somebody to be happy with us, whether it's our students or our administrators. So, well, so then maybe there's a fourth point. What's the fourth one? Uh oh. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, learn to be happy with yourself, right? Maybe it's spend the summer not trying to please a damn person. Right. Please yourself. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. Figure out what it is that's, that makes that makes you happy. Well, figure out when you, what what it is that you're like, I don't give a damn what anybody else thinks of it. I'm doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. And then spend some time doing that thing. That's great. In order, in order, now, in order to, to accomplish that, you need to stop and do number one. It's true. And be with yourself and figure out what that is. It's true. So... So you had mentioned earlier when I showed up at your apartment this, like, what if spending that 10 minutes in the day is not seen as productive time? would argue it's actually the most productive time you could have all day. Right. That if you don't do that, you shouldn't be answering emails. You shouldn't be trying to get your things off your to-do list. You shouldn't be doing any of it because you'll be doing it from a state of mindlessness mm-hmm. instead of mindfulness. I, I had Dana's referring to the fact that you know, I had I had said uh, to her previously that I felt as though like ten minutes of silence may be unproductive time. You know, even something like, you know, I should be eating with one hand and answering emails with another. Because, but when I truly, I should just sit down and eat and be quiet. And you should too, Choir Nation. You absolutely should too. Well, so tomorrow. Uh, Dane and I are going to be offering a joint webinar uh, on the four things that you can do to prevent burnout uh, moving forward. So if if the things that you heard about earlier in this episode really resonated with you and you want a little bit more of what we had to talk about today, join us tomorrow. It's 8 p.m. Eastern time. That's June the 16th of 2016 Uh, at 8 p.m. Eastern. To sign up, you're going to have to get a link from me that you can request at ryanguth.com forward slash burnout, all one word, B-U-R-N-O-U-T. And again, ryanguth.com forward slash burnout. You'll put your email in there. Even if you're already on my email list, you still need to go there and sign up uh, so that you uh, can have access to the webinar. If you cannot make it uh, live, then I will be sending you if you provide your email at that link, I'll be sending you a replay link as well. And uh, you can get a little bit further in depth with Dana uh, at that time. And you can even ask her questions if you're live at the webinar and, and stuff as well. So I uh, hope to see you tomorrow. And I thank you for listening to the Find Your Forte podcast. Thank you for listening to Find Your Forte with Ryan Guth. As always, join Ryan online at www.ryanguth.com for detailed show notes and discussions on every episode. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Until next time, be amazing.